Matthew chapter 7, the first verse. I'm going to read more than that, but the first verse is probably one of the most misquoted passages of Scripture. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. <clears throat> Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine own eye? Behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. <clears throat> Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth. To him that openeth, or knocketh, it shall be opened. What man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Many call that verse the golden rule. But <clears throat> keep it in context. Then enter ye in at the straight gate, for why is the gate broad as the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat? Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew ye, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So the title of the message tonight, Judging Righteous Judgment. Judging Righteous Judgment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we pray, for the privilege that we have to assemble together and to open your precious word. And I pray that as we look into the word of God tonight, that we'd have wisdom to understand uh, how we are to discern and to use judgment righteously in, in this wicked world in which we're living. For your glory and for your honor, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> With all the talk of tolerance and non-discrimination and all that rhetoric that we hear today, we live in a very judgmental world. Very judgmental world. That claims tolerance for all, and we must reject discrimination. And yet for all that rhetoric of equity and fairness, we find that it has become okay to discriminate against certain ones. Um, just here recently, um, ben Shapiro had an article, and I'll just read part of it. 
He said, quote, President Joe Biden took office pledging a return to unity and decency. A new era of good feelings is at hand. We were informed by both his administration and its psychophants in the media. A new world of, quote unquote, equity is at hand. Equity, you see, is the word of the day, not equality. That would be a traditionally American concept, that is equality. The Declaration of Independence declares that all men are created equal, endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights. Fourteenth Amendment to the Constitution provides that all citizens must receive equal protection of the laws. Equality in the traditional understanding means something simple and easy to implement. The protection of the rights of all individuals, along with the invasion of none of those rights. And so, but they're not talking about equality, they're talking about a new world of equity. Now that means something totally different, as we'll say, as we will see. But, you know, this is, this is the, this is the, the rhetoric of this unity and decency of this new administration that's been placed in office. But, you know, against certain groups, uh, there is much judgment that's being passed down and discrimination and very inconsistently and hypocritically. Of course, this is not new. It's been the standard operation of the world since the beginning of time. Let me give you an illustration. The new Congress installed some new metal detectors that they have to go, congressmen have to go through to get into the, get into the uh, assembly room, supposedly. And of course, you know who the Speaker of the House is, is Nancy Pelosi. And uh, they have, they have uh, ministered fines to several Republicans who supposedly bypassed, one of them I knew was Louis Gohmert, and he just left the assembly room to go to the bathroom. He didn't leave the building or the rotunda. He just left to go to the bathroom and came back in. But he didn't go through the... So they fined him for that. However, we see the other day that supposedly Nancy Pelosi has gone around the metal detector herself. Now we're waiting to see if she gets a fine. Uh, but, you know, there's so much judgment that's being passed down. And, and, of course, many like to use this phrase here in Matthew chapter 7 where where Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. I remember my dad getting so, uh, uh, what's the word I want to say, perturbed at, at uh, a Mennonite preacher. He would, he would often, if, if, if there was an objection raised to something, he would often say, now judge not, now judge not, you know, and, 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 and you know, and, and the, the idea here is that we are not to judge hypocritical judgment or inconsistent judgment or judgment based on man's perceptions of things. Now, there are several sources of judgments, and I'm going to look at that first tonight. And, of course, that is man's perceptions of things. When he says here, judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and of what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. The word judgment here in this context means a condemnation of wrong, the decision, whether severe or mild, which one passes on the faults of another. And the the phrase, ye judge, means to pronounce judgment, to subject to censure, 
of those who act at the part of judges or arbitrators in the matters of common life or pass judgment on the deeds and words of others universally and without case. In other words, you don't have really a case, but yet you want to pass censure or judgment on those who are having maybe a different opinion or a different deed than you. It means of those who judge severely, unfairly, finding fault with this or that in others. That's the idea. You know, many times we make judgments based on assumptions by our perception that we have. Without an objective basis. Now, when I talk about an objective basis, you're talking about something that is unmovable, unchangeable. That's, that's the idea of objective. It's factual. And so many times we make, we tend to make, as human beings, we tend to make judgments on, based on assumptions by something we perceive and we don't have real facts to back it up. In other words, we don't have concrete evidence that this is what has happened or this is why they did that. Or this is what we think happened or this is not what they meant by what they said, but that is how we look at it. You know, in marriage, you know, sometimes we have to, we have, we have to be careful not to assume because something a husband or wife says. Now, I may say something like this, and I'm really good at this. You know, not being real definitive in my statements sometimes. Yeah, we haven't had granola in a while, so maybe you can make some granola. I love homemade granola, especially the way my wife makes it. Now, you know, some others have made it, but my, nobody makes stuff as good as my wife does. So, you know, I, I may say, make a statement like, I haven't had granola in a while. Could you make some granola? Now, she, could, she has some possibilities that she could do with that. She might think, huh. So he don't think I make granola often enough. Or, you know, or something to the fact that, you know, so he, he thinks that, you know, I just don't make things the way he likes them, you know, you know, often enough. Now, is that based on a fact or is that a presumption? That isn't what I said. You know, it works both ways. In, in marriage, and if you if you if you've had that happen, you probably don't have your ears and eyes open and your thinking cap on if you're married. But that's how sometimes we perceive things, and we make judgments based upon not clear facts, feelings, or assumptions that we may think this is what they meant when they said that. You know, the world thinks if you don't approve of this racial inequality education, then you must hate minorities. That's what they think. If you don't believe in white privilege, you are unjust. You just don't believe in equity. I like what Pastor Webb sent me the other day. This was a forward. I don't think he came up with this because he's not this old. 
Not yet. But it went like this. For sale. I'm selling my white privilege card. It's almost 77 years old, but it isn't mint in condition. It has never been used. Reason for selling is that it hasn't done a thing for me. No free college, no free food, no free housing, etc. Prefer cash, but willing to do an even trade for a race card, which seems to be much more widely accepted. Interested? Contact me in my non-Obama cell phone that I pay for every month. Serious buyers only. But see, if you don't believe in white privilege, then then you must hate minorities. And this this is of course you know this is something you know I don't know if any of you've seen this, but there was a representative in Congress after the the insurrection at the Capitol, and uh, he was uh, his name is uh, Dean Phillips. He's a Democrat from Minnesota, I believe it is. He delivered a speech on the House floor on Thursday night, recounting his experience during the Capitol riot, and said the ordeal, quote, helped him to understand his privilege, which he tearfully apologized for. So speaking during a special order hour that Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez organized, Mr. Phillips joined several of the Democrats' members of Congress to reflect on the unrest of... of uh, January 6th. Let's see if I get the right page here. Here we go. Phillips said then, quote, that he realized at the time if he were a person of color, he would not be able to blend in by pretend... No, I'm sorry. I'm, it's not the right place. Um, here we go. Okay. Let me start again. Uh, he said this, quote, Remembering how he was one of the 20 members of Congress who took cover in the House gallery when the Capitol was breached on January January 6th, Phillips said he wasn't sure if he was going to survive or if he would have to stab would-be attackers with his pencil. But, quote, I'm here not this evening to seek sympathy or just tell my story, but rather make a public apology for recognizing that we were sitting ducks in this room as the chamber was about to be breached. I screened my colleagues to follow me, to follow me across the aisle to the Republican side of the chamber so that we could blend in. So that we could blend in. I'm thinking... Is this guy for real? Phillips then said that he realized at the time that if he were a person of color, he would not be able to blend in by pretending to be a Republican. Now, so I had to look up. Are there any black Republicans in Congress? Yes, there are. Some of them would be called, being called nasty names because they contested electoral account. Which moved him to realize the privilege he claims as a white man. His voice shaking with emotions, Phillips apologized to his colleagues and the entire country for his white privilege. He said, I'm sorry, for I never understood, really understood what privilege really means. It took a violent mob of insurrectionists and a lightning bolt moment in this very room, but now I know, believe me, I really know. How disgusting. And so if you don't believe in white privilege, you hate minorities. That's the assumption. That's what's believed. If you don't approve of LBGTQ, same-sex marriage and the transgenders and etc. and all that mess, you are bigoted and hateful. 
You're an unloving, inhumane human being. And if you don't believe me, read some blogs and, and tweets of mothers of transgenders. The reality is these people are being led by their emotions and by their flesh. The reality is that they really loved them and cared for their souls and their emotional and mental well-being, they would endeavor to correct their unnatural behavior. You see, the problem with this judgment is it's always changing. Where's the standard? Who is the standard? Who decides what is right and what is wrong? If man's, if man's is the guy that's left in charge of what is right, who, who is that man? Is it Stalin or Hitler or, or Joe Biden or even Donald Trump? I don't want them, either one of them to decide what is right and what is wrong. I don't even want it to be me. That was my son, in case you didn't know that. But I agree with him. For two reasons. Number one, I don't want that responsibility for the rest of the world. But I live in a body of flesh, too. And my, as much as I endeavor to be impartial, that's a constant struggle. Because there are people that I like and people that I don't like. We see, so this, this kind of judgment is always changing. It's always evolving. It's subjective. Now, we, we hear that word sometimes. But what does subjective really mean? It means belonging to the thinking subject rather than to object of thought. It's opposed to objective. Now, and I said object, to be objective means it's, it's, it doesn't change. It is true. It goes on. The definition goes on and says this. Pertaining to or characteristic of an individual. Personal individual evaluation. So what you, when something is subjective, it's a personal individual evaluation. And then it says this. Placing excessive emphasis on one's own You may be a very stable person, but do you have mood changes? I don't know if there's anybody that doesn't. In fact, I would say there isn't anyone that doesn't. Even Jesus had mood changes. Now, his decisions weren't based on his mood changes, because he got angry. That's a mood change. Moses was a very stable man and he got angry on several occasions but one occasion it caused him to do that which was wrong remember he smoked the rock twice so that in that sense his mood then controlled his actions and so this is we're talking about something here that is subject to mood changes attitudes opinions and then it says this unduly egocentric and to be egocentric means to having or regarding the self or the individual as the center of all things. So, I'm the center of all things. 
that is being subjective. So, I'm my own God. I decide for myself what is right and wrong. Nobody can tell me what to do. And if you have a different opinion, well, you're just hateful and intolerant. How dare you say things about my kids, like some of these women write on their blogs. See, objective means to not be influenced by personal feelings, interpretations, or prejudice. It's based on facts. It's an unbiased, objective opinion. Here are the facts. You are a male, and you are a female. I mean, if you'd bring that transgender woman in here and undress her, it'd be easy to see it's a male. That is the unbiased, objective fact. It's the way you're born, and you're born that way. And they're all they're saying, you know, well, they just this is just inborn in them. No, it's not. It's sin. It's a progression of sin. Nature proves same-sex marriage is unnatural. Everything that is natural in nature can reproduce after its kind. Same-sex marriage can't. It's not natural. Even the barnyard animals don't do it. See, this is man's perception. This is what we're... This is what we're facing today. And if you disagree, then you're hateful and bigoted and unloving. According to them. But again, that's according to man's opinion. Man's opinion. So that's that's the source that most people are judging, the world's judging on. But but we are to judge by God's eternal words. That's the source of judgment. If you notice here in verse 6, he says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, turn again and rend, rend you. And of course, talking about pearls, your truth, you know, you have to perceive whether a person can accept the truth. You know, they, they may just turn it against you. And then if he goes on and says in uh, uh, verse Verse 13, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So we see here very clearly here, this is an illustration that there is a right way and a wrong way. There's no universal way. It's not all one size fits all, or everybody gets there the way they want. No, there's a right way and a wrong way. And that parameter is set by God. Not set by us. And he goes on. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them. Notice that. Know them by their fruits. 
Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? Every, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, and neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Wherefore, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. And if you, and I'm not going to read all this for sake of time, but it goes on here. And, you know, he says, not everyone that saith unto me. So there's a right way and a wrong way. He, he emphasizes again. And then verse 29 says this. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So he taught as having authority. Of course, this was Christ. So, uh, uh, you know, during his earthly ministry, he's giving this to his disciples, speaking this. And, and he taught as one having authority, uh, power of authority in right. See, God is the creator who has the power, he has the right to set to the standard or determine the laws of conduct on the parameters of his creation. And the right to judge and condemn for the violation thereof. You know, if I build something, I have a right if I want to to tear it down. It's mine. You know, if I want to wreck my car, I have every right to wreck it. Now, I wouldn't mind having a newer one, but to buy another one costs money, so I'm not going to wreck it. Uh, you know, but it's mine. I can do with it what I want. Because it's mine. I govern it. Of course, being a child of God, I try to use wisdom and get the most benefit out of it. It's called stewardship. Well, see, God has made us, therefore he has the right to govern, to set the standards, determine what laws of conduct are, what is right and what is not right. And these judgments of men are simply a rejection of God's authority. That's what it is. And the LBGTQ, we keep adding letters to this thing, is the ultimate brazen expression of that rejection. It's an in-your-face kind of thing. To God. It's like saying, God, you're not telling me what to do. You're not telling me what is right. You're not telling me how I can, how I can act in my body. In fact, in Ezekiel, turn there, Ezekiel 16. <clears throat> I believe we see this here. Ezekiel 16 and verse 49 and 50 says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. You know what Satan, you know what Lucifer, the son of the morning, said? You know what his final straw was? There's five I wills that he says in Isaiah 14. So Isaiah 14, yeah. Isaiah 14. And then the, the final one is, I will be like the Most High. 
Lord, I'm going to determine. And this is what he told Eve. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. In other words, you can be like God. You can determine what good and evil is. That's what he was saying to Eve. And see here, this is what this is. It's pride, fullness of bread. So there was a, uh, you know, there were, they were full. They had, they had everything they could want. There's abundance of idleness was inherent in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty. That's the idea of in your face. And committed abomination before me. When, 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 when the two angels came to Sodom that evening and, and Lot took them into his house, you know, and then they surrounded Lot's house and they were haughty. They were in the face of, of Lot when Lot said, do not this wickedness. And they were in his face. Displaying their contempt for God. And what is right. See, what is right is not determined by, by, about, by my feelings about a matter. Or by my prayers about a matter. You know, many people justify wrong decisions because they prayed about it. So did Balaam. Balaam prayed about it and God said, no. But Balaam came again. You know, you know what Balaam should have told him? God already said no. That's what he should have said. But he went and prayed again. Why? Because in his heart, he did not want to do God's will. He didn't want to do it. See, in his heart, he'd already made up his mind how he could get enrich himself, get what he wanted. He could get what was right in his eyes. You see, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Is it in your heart to obey God or receive the counsel of God? Go to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. <clears throat> and here, of course, in the book of Romans, we see clearly God's law laid out and man's rejection of that, particularly in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. But we'll notice some things about God's law. And this is the wonderful thing about God's law. It is the same for everyone. Now, God is not tolerant of evil. But God does not discriminate. It's the same for everyone. From the greatest of kings to the lowest servant, God's law doesn't change. Romans 2, 1 says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges, wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. Here, here's talking about hip, hypocritical judgment here. Again, we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despisest the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. 
But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. You see, when we continue to not listen to God, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're building up God's wrath against us. Treasuring it up. So how the term he used, treasuring it up. It's like you're, you're adding to your bank account of destruction. Just like you would add money to your bank account, your savings account, or whatever it might be, to make it grow and, 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 and you know, mature. You, what you're doing is adding to your bank account of destruction. Because God is going to judge rebellion. When he reveals himself, notice again verse 5, After thy hardness and penitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. It is just, when he talks about the righteous judgment of God, it is just judgment. It's based on the righteousness of God, not man's opinions. Again, it's the same for everyone. And, and you, can, you can either, you can either, you know, go to the Lord through faith in Christ, and have Him judge your sin in His Son, or you can be judged of it for yourself if you're not willing to humble yourself and repent. But notice verse 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Every man. To them who by patient continuance continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Greek, uh, to the Gentile. You know, the Jews had great opportunities that the Gentiles didn't have. And I think their judgment is going to be more severe. For their rejection of the Messiah from their own lineage. Because they had so many opportunities, so much revealed to them. Just as a person in a church like this has much more revealed to them than a person like grew up like I did. I didn't hear Bible preaching. I didn't hear it. I sat in the back pew and slept because it was boring. It's dead. I remember it was about 18, 19. I'm not sure how old it was. Probably 18, maybe 17. Anyway, I was a young buck. We went to a Presbyterian church, a denominational church. And this guy was up there talking about babies. And I can't remember what he was saying about him, but it had nothing to do with the Bible. I knew that much. I was sitting back there again, and some of my family members, and I said, just out loud, go like this, this is boring. I couldn't believe I said it. It was the truth. You know, if I'd had some truth, I'd have felt like John Clark and Obadiah Holmes standing up in the standing order church and saying, this is, you know, this baptism of infants is of the whore. See, the Jews are going to be more accountable. That's what he's saying here. Jew first. 
Verse 10, But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is, and here it is, no respect of persons with God. See, it doesn't matter. You can come from the poorest of families, from the lowest of backgrounds. God still loves you. God still desires the best for you. God still desires his blessing for you. Whether you come from from a, a family of high class or a low class, we have the same Savior. We have to repent of the sin the same way. See, the wonderful thing about God's law, it's objective. It does not change. We have an absolute standard that is the same for everyone. You know, our Constitution is based upon that principle. You know, they talk about equity, but what they mean by equity is we're going to make everyone on the same level, same income, the same you know, the same housing, the same, uh, you know, everything the same. But when you talk about equality, we're talking about having the same rights, the same opportunities. You know why a lot of people, you know why there's not equity in our world? In our country? It's because some people don't take advantage of the opportunities that they have. For many reasons. Most of the time it's because they're too lazy. And so, you know, we have a standard. It is God's law. And we are to discern. The Bible says, and so the third thing I want to notice that, are we to judge? Well, let's go back to verse to Matthew chapter 7 again. Matthew 7 and verse 15. Beware of false prophets come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. That phrase, know them, means to become thoroughly acquainted with, to know thoroughly, to know accurately, and know well. So, he says, by their fruits ye shall know them. Or as we are to discern what is real, what is genuine, what is sincere, as we heard this morning, and what is not, and we're determined that by the Word of God. Not whether I like the person or not. You know, I've heard people say about Smiley, Joel Osteen, well, he's so likable. He's so positive. Do you think John Baptist was so likable and so positive? What about Peter? Did Peter get up on the day of Pentecost and said that he hath made him both Lord and Christ, whom ye have crucified, 
and been the slayers of. And you need to repent. You know what? But in our generation, we're too delicate to take that. Because we've had children raising children for 40 years, 50 years now. You know, my mom was like, where Chris was talking about his mom. When he was in school, his mom could be one of two things. Either his defense attorney or his prosecuting attorney. You see, if I got a licking in school, I got one when I got home. Without any questions asked. But boy, now, you wouldn't dare touch a child or even reprimand them in school. They are so delicate. We need to allow children to express themselves. And they are expressing themselves in the greatest depravity that they can think of. Why? Because they have not been taught that there is a God that has established a right and a wrong. And they're not able to discern what is right and what is wrong. Because there's no standard. It constantly changes. You see, it's not on our opinion and based on our feelings, but what is clearly seen. What is consistent. If you notice here again in verse 15, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? So we can discern these false prophets or false teachers by the evidence that we see. You know, if I walk under a tree, it has egg horns on it. I would say that's a oak tree. If I walked under an apple tree and I saw some apples, I would say, that's a pear tree, right? No, I would say that's an apple tree. Why? Because there's evidence there of apples. And there are some trees, I don't have to see fruits on it, but I see other evidence. I can look at a gum tree almost year-round and tell you it's a gum tree. There's little sticky balls on it. There's stick despicable things, you know. Or a poplar tree. I can tell you what a poplar tree is without any fruit, because it don't bear fruit. You see, but by the evidences that it gives forth, we can tell some, what something is. And Jesus said, if we, if we understand the word of God, and, we, and as we heard this morning, we, we grow in our love and our knowledge of Him, it will give us discernment to make decisions based on the evidence that we see in people's lives. And we are to make those judgments. For two reasons. Number one, for our protection from being led astray. And number two, to help those that are deceived by the devil.
you'll hit in Second Corinthians, uh, First Corinthians chapter two, First Corinthians chapter two, <clears throat> and verse seven. First Corinthians two, beginning at verse seven. <clears throat> Paul said, we speak wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man, we're talking about natural man, the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. What man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned, or investigated out. He that is spiritual judgeth or discerns, again, or makes decisions based on, he judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. See, we're to make judgments based on the mind of the Lord. And when we make judgments based on the mind of the Lord, no man can judge us wrong. If we have the mind of Christ, we cannot be proven wrong in the court of heaven. They may declare us guilty here on earth of hate speech, but the greatest love you can show to a homosexual or transgender is to point them to Christ, point them out the sin in their life and their need to repent and come to Christ. Just as Jesus pointed out to the woman of the well. Yeah, I know. And the husband you have now is not your husband. He said, I'm the living water. And she said, well, when Messiah's coming, he said, I'm he. I'm he. I'm the one you need to trust in. You need to repent of your sin. Proverbs 21.15 says, It is joy to the, just, to the just to do judgment, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. See, a just person will judge himself first. And this is what Matthew 7 is really all about. A just person will judge himself first and then endeavor to help others to discern what is right and what is wrong. So that they can Live to please God as well. So, you know, are we to judge? Yes, we are. We're to discern right and wrong. But it's not based on my authority. It's what saith the Lord. What saith the Lord? You know, we live in a we live in a culture that is becoming more and more man oriented, feeling oriented, flesh oriented. 
But we need to con- to to hold fast to the truths of God's word that does not change, and continue to make decisions about our life, our conduct, our speech, our actions, the way we dress, the way we appear the way we act to people, the way we treat people in our relationship with one another, it needs to be governed by the Word of God and not by the standard that the world is trying to set. Judge. We need to judge righteous judgments.